my spooky friends. This is John, your host for Dairyland Frights, the podcast paranormal podcast that covers everything spooky, creepy, and mysterious in the Midwest. And again, I, I, I'm so blessed. I have some great guests on here, and I love it. They are from Strange Darkness, Carolyn and Bobby. Welcome. Thank you very much, John, for having us. Oh, you know, again, I, I'm blessed to have guests on you like yourselves. I love your podcast. I've been listening to it. Uh, Bobby, you told me you had like an over two-hour podcast on Halloween. You know, so <laughs> mm-hmm. that was uh, must have been interesting. So can you do me a favor? Carolyn, you want to go first? Bobby, you can go first. Doesn't really matter. Uh, tell me a little bit about Strange Darkness Radio and what it's about. Well, um, str- go ahead, Carolyn. No, I was going to say I'll let Bobby do this part because this is his baby. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, basically, I had a paranormal experience at the age of 11, and uh, it was um, so crazy to where, um, and I talk about that on the show also, that's probably the first episode, and uh, that question, everything going forward from that point. So I've always been, you know, looking and uh, trying to dive into the paranormal just to see what, you know, that experience that I had you know, and, um, you know, have others, you know, had those type of um, same, uh, you know, same things happen to them. And uh, so, you know, throughout the years, I've always talked, you know, about the paranormal activities that go on in people's homes and uh, the experiences that people have. And um, so, you know, that kind of prompted me, you know what, I need to start a podcast. And then so I went ahead and uh, started this podcast, Strange Darkness Radio. Nice. So I have to ask, Bobby, tell me a little bit. I know you probably have already said it to your audience, but I have a whole new audience here. Would love to hear your little paranormal uh, uh, experience at age okay. 11. Well, let, let me make this brief because it's kind of a little detailed. But All right, um, go ahead. Yeah. Nice okay, teaser. But- <laughs> exactly. Okay. A little, a little teaser. Well, um, we were at the drive-in. We came back home. I really had to go to the restroom. Didn't want to, you know, find my way back to the car and all that jazz. So I waited, you know, until we got home. Me and my dad came to the door of our home. We entered the home. There was a, a, a glow, you know, a light that was um, coming from like the, the right side of the, the, the living room area. And as we entered... I tried to dart off and go to the restroom. And then as um, my dad, um, you know, saw whatever was happening in the kitchen, in the living room area, he told me to freeze, get out of the house. Somebody's in the house. And I was like, I need to go to the restroom. So, I, you know, so being a kid, my first thought yeah. is, because my dad was in the military. And uh, my first thought is, I got to go to the bathroom. So I'm, for whatever reason, I bypassed the hall bathroom to go to my parents' bathroom. I go uh-huh. down to the end of the hall, and um, as I look over to the right in my parents' uh, bed, there is a long figure laying in the bed, and Ooh. I froze. And then, oh, so as man. I look at this figure, I can, yeah. it's like, it was like a movie playing. I can hear my dad calling me, but I couldn't make out what he was sure. saying as he yeah. was running down the hall. And as he uh-huh. sn- puts his hand on my sh- shoulder to grab me, the 
the um whatever figure was laying in the bed just totally went like into the bed. It just the, the blankets were still disheveled. It just slowly wow. just like you know, uh just melted into the bed. And uh he's like, I told you to get out of the house and you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. And uh what had happened was in the kitchen area, all the um dishes were out of the cabinets, all of the food was out of the refrigerator. Ooh, it was a you know, yeah. it was like somebody ransacked the house. And then yeah. as the police came, there was nobody that entered the home. They said mm. someone must have entered the home and locked the door on the way out because there was no sign of any entries or anything. And so that was okay. my, you know, first paranormal experience. Wow. Wow. That is crazy. Um, I've heard something similar to that before where people have said they've gone into their house and like there's someone in their bedroom, like at the mm-hmm. edge of their bed and stuff. But I've never heard anything like that. That's crazy. Man. Oh, yeah. And my parents wow, had scary. a king size bed. It was really, really huge. Uh, and and uh yeah. You even had to have steps to get onto the bed. And so that, you know, so yeah, it, it was, it was wow. crazy. It was crazy. Wow. But uh, yeah, that was my first experience. That's what. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's a good spooky one. Wow, man. I don't know. I would scream like a little girl and run. I, I admit it. I was shocked. I couldn't move. <laughs> that whole thing when people oh, say, oh, okay. you know, you see yeah. something and then it just stops uh-huh. you in your tracks. And being yeah, a yeah. 11, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, what am I seeing? What is going on? And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. even the image, how it, you know, I looked at the image to stop, you know, yeah. it's like a feeling, you know, you, you, it, that came over me. It's just like, don't yeah. move. And uh, right. so, yeah. 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 So let me ask you this, Bobby, and then Carolyn, I'll get to you next. Uh, did that, was that what interested you in the paranormal or is there something, another event that interested you in the paranormal for you to want to do a paranormal podcast? No, that's what sent me down the um, path to ask questions about what we see and what we hear, um, you know, and what we believe, you know, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And so that sent me down the path to ask questions. I, you know, love it or hate it. I would be in uh, church asking like, you know, certain questions like, you know, are are demons real or, you know, Mm -hmm. spirits real? You know, those questions are like, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that. And, you know, being in the African, you know, American community, it's like that's just something that you really don't discuss. You know, just uh, sit there and catch the Holy Ghost and you're good. And uh, that was pretty much. (laughs) Don't ask questions. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, yeah. So, no, ever since then, I've always, you know, that's when I went to the library, you know, started doing research on, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, different things in the paranormal uh, realm and going down that, that um, rabbit hole. But yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. One of my guests, her father was a minister mm-hmm. and, you know, they just believed in everything, you know, they're good and they're bad and they're God, Jesus. And she said she lived in a haunted house too. So there'd be all these things, they would be attacked. And then she thought they were being attacked for their the Christianity or their, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they're, they believe so much. But then after she became uh, older, she was like, huh, I don't know. You know. What does this mean? Why, why, why did I have these experiences? Why, you know, is there demons? Is there whatever? And her father, who was uh, a minister, uh, actually was a priest, had performed exorcisms too. Oh, so wow. he had, you know, he had seen firsthand 
people believe they had been possessed by a demon, Satan, whatever you want to say. So mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. That's that's awesome. I love it. So Carolyn, can you top it? <laughs> um I don't know. I have one good story. I've I've always believed in paranormal since I was like a child and I've always been interested, oh. but uh nothing really spooky or paranormal has ever happened to me until pretty recently. I had one experience. Okay. Um I don't think I can top Bobby, but <laughs> Well, you never know. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> But uh, basically, me and an ex-boyfriend of mine, my ex, were ghost hunting in the local cemetery in my home city, Sacramento, California. This doesn't um, start out good. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby's always teasing me for, you know, my ghost hunting adventures. But um, Yes, I I have heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But... um, yeah, so we were at this cemetery, and it's a big cemetery, like it's a big property, um, and it's got okay. the, all these hills and these different sections. So, I mean, you could spend like a good hour or two walking around the whole grounds. So, we were there late at night. It was probably like eleven or midnight. Um, you know, we're not supposed to be there. We we're the only two people there, and we were walking around for like a good forty-five minutes, um, okay. and we were you know, chatting, having a good time, but we were being respectful and being mindful of where we were. And um, all of a sudden, we started walking up to this kind of newer section of the cemetery. And I started to get like a really bad feeling. I just started getting really creeped out. Sure. And so I was so I was telling him like, hey, I think I want to leave now. Like I told him I, I feel uncomfortable. I'm getting scared. And he, he was kind of making fun of me and laughing, but he turned to me and he was basically saying, Hey, don't worry. As long as we're respectful, nothing's going to mess with us. Yeah. And he didn't even finish the sentence and something screamed oh. at us, like a loud scream. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't English, it wasn't words. It was just this oh, wow. like noise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it definitely sounded like it came from a person, but it wasn't like any discernible words. So um I got freaked out. I wanted to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at my boyfriend and he just had this look on his face like he wasn't scared at all. He was like trying to figure out what it was and where it was coming from. And I wasn't waiting to find out. I grabbed him and I ran. I literally had to like yeah, drag yeah. him along with me and I was like, let's go. But I swear, you guys, this noise, it this scream was no more than 10 feet away from us. It was so close. Yeah, there was no one else around. We didn't see anybody. We didn't hear anybody. We didn't hear any footsteps or rustling or anything. Yeah. It was just this random yeah. scream. So it was wow. so spooky. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, oh, I, I love stories like that. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned, Carolyn, that you were interested as a kid. Because again, mm-hmm. one of my former guests, one of my past guests, when she was like nine years old, she's reading books. How do I talk to a ghost? And- <laughs> <laughs> like her mom's like, what are you? What are you doing? That is you know, so mean. She's like reading these books. How do I talk to a ghost? And yeah. How do I do this? And how do I, do that? <laughs> I think that's awesome. And that's I why always, our little. I always wanted to have an experience until I had this experience, and then I was good. After a while, I mean, I I didn't right. go to another cemetery for a while after that. Like I was scared. I am good. So the next <laughs> week she was in another cemetery just for the right. So right. Took me about a week. My spooky. <laughs> My spooky friends have heard this before, but I'm going to tell you guys really quick because this is one of my favorite stories about a cemetery. 
So I used to be a manager at a retail store and everybody knew I like paranormal. So they would come up to me and they'd be like, Hey John, any ghosts? You know, they kid me, right? You know, any ghosts <laughs> in, the, in the store, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, right? Whatever. Um, one day one of my employees came to me and she's about, she was at high school. She came to me, she goes, John, I have a problem. And I'm thinking, oh, no, are you pregnant? And, you know, I got to, like, call your mom. Like, no. Because that happens. Oh, it's a ghost. I had two <laughs> girls come up to me and tell me they were pregnant, and I had to call their moms. Aww. And I know. Well, that, right? That's a paranormal Anyway. <laughs> pretty spooky. That's scary enough. Right? That's my scary story. That's it. Um, anyway. Um, so, anyway, they had a Ouija board in a cemetery. A bunch of their friends. Oh. We're having this Ouija board in the cell. Yeah, I know, right? You're doing it already. Bobby's <laughs> shaking his head. Right, right, right. They got scared, ran off. Okay. So I said, Did you hit goodbye? Did you use the planchette for goodbye? Did you did you close? Mm-hmm. No. Oh God. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> anyway, really quickly, her mom shows up one day and says, John, you know. Sarah, whoever, told me that, you know, you know the paranormal. She's telling me they're having weird things happen at their house, shadow people, all this stuff, right? And, like, what can I do, right? What am I supposed to do? So I said, (laughs) you need to go back to the cemetery, and you need to close that, okay? Just go and close it, Get grab the board, get the hell out of there. They go back. The groundskeeper had run over the Ouija board with his lawnmower. Oh, wow. Totally destroying it. Everything's destroyed. Oh. That's what she told me. They're done. So I said, <laughs> right. So I said, go to the nearest Walmart or whatever, get a Ouija board, yeah. go back, close it up, and just take care. And they're they're telling me to come along. I'm like, hell no, I'm not going <laughs> with you guys. I'm not getting involved in this mess. I got my own kids. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, we go back and they do it, and I guess things from there were okay. But right, like, what are you doing? But they just—they heard like they didn't hear a scream like you. They just heard like footsteps or something. I can't remember okay. what they exactly. Oh, heard, that's almost worse. Lessons learned, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's for all my spooky friends out there. So don't play with Ouija boards in cemeteries. <laughs> just don't do it. So, <laughs> so. Again, I'll make sure, uh, Bobby and Carolyn, to sh- share with all my spooky friends all your website links and where they can find Darkness Ra- Strange Darkness Radio. And uh, you guys are going to love it. Trust me. Listen to them. They're great. So let's get right into it. Let's do a little teaser. First, all right. Bobby and Carolyn, what if I told you that nearly 100 years before Alcatraz, there was the Missouri State Penitentiary. Time Magazine called the prison the bloodiest 47 acres in America. Today, guides and guests alike will attest to apparitions, unusual, sh- unusual sounds, excuse me, and eerie vibes filling the infamous prison. So... <laughs> When Time Magazine says, hey, man, you're nuts. <laughs> this is exactly. terrible prison. Uh, yeah. So have you ever heard of it? Have you ever heard of the Missouri State Penitentiary? 
I have the first time I actually did was I think on Ghost Hunters when they when they went yeah. there to do uh yeah. You guys I, uh, hadn't, I hadn't heard of it until Ooh. you know you told us that we were going to be discussing it and I'm yeah. pretty impressed that I hadn't heard of it before. It. Yeah. You're <laughs> going to love this. You're going to laugh a little bit and then also be like, "Damn, I'm not going there." But maybe you will someday. <laughs> I know I want to check it We're out. We're going. <laughs> so first of all, guys, before I get to the fun stuff, uh, talk about my sources uh, that I always put in my links. Uh, Haunted U.S., Missouri Pen Tours, Atlas Obscuria, uh, News a Tribune, and the History of the Missouri State Penitentiary. So let me talk a little about the history. I know it's sort of boring stuff, but it will help us get a better idea of what this place is. Okay? So the Missouri State Penitentiary was built in the early 1830s. Now remember that because that's going to be important. Its original prisoners, <laughs> I love this, made, well, let me retreat that the original <laughs> prisoners made the bricks that make up the first walls of the building. Mm-hmm. The prison grew many times from its initial 15 inmates until it was ultimately closed in. 2004. So this prison not only was built by the prisoners, yeah, but also 1830s and it just closed in 2004. I know that's wild. That's, that's wild, right? Mm-hmm. So here's some of the famous prisoners uh, that I like to kind of get out of the way too. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. During this time, many well-known prisoners, including James Earl Ray, he's the guy shut. If you don't remember your history, he was the guy sh- who shot Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, he and the Charles Pretty Boy Floyd. So he was this really badass in the 20s and 30s. And also, <laughs> to make things worse, 40 prisoners were sent to the gas chamber in this prison, which is a lot. Okay, most prisons, to kind of give you an idea, maybe 20, maybe 30 tops, but they had over 40, actually, prisoners. So this place was, it was bad, okay? It was really bad. In fact, they also had riots in there where people died, and they found a snitch, and as we know, snitches get stitches, but this guy was bludgeoned to death. He actually is now one of the ghosts I'll talk about here. So, the Missouri State Penitentiary housed hundreds of thousands, of, and I mean thousands, of convicted felons during its 168-year history. As uh, yeah, <laughs> and many of the, these inmates obviously still remain. So, one of the things they tell too in 1831 when this started out. This guy, Governor John Miller, was convinced owning and operating a prison, hey, that makes complete sense. We need to have a state penitentiary here. So two years later, I I love the way politicians think, hey, you know, let's just make a prison. (laughs) (laughs) I just put this. So they passed the bill and the construction began in 1836. Now, this is... I want you guys' feeling on this one, because I think this is hilarious. So the first prison's inmate was a guy named Wilson Edison. You know why he went there, guys? Stealing a watch. I know. That's, wow. 
That's so sad. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's you go exactly. to a maximum not the county prison. jail. Not- <laughs> right? Right. Prison. This is crazy. Where they hold like murderers <laughs> and serial killers and yeah. the first inmate yeah. stole a watch. Yeah. First inmate just stole a watch. <laughs> like, uh, okay. I, and like mm-hmm. I said, it's one of the longest maximum security prisons, well, it was in the United States. And like I said, it began housing prisoners in 1836. 1836 soon started uh, laboring the prisons, doing, you know, you see those old timey prison movies where the guy's hitting the rocks. This was it. <laughs> those yeah. guys sweating their balls off, hitting rocks for, I don't know why, but that's what they did. Um, <laughs> Which I think is really keep them occupied. But, but, <laughs> right. <laughs> so by 1868, so short time after this was built, it was hosting post Civil War criminals. So it started out with a guy stealing a watch. Then they had, a, they had these Civil War criminals who were yeah, these are the guys that did terrible things that I won't get into. Very very brutal, but. Here's the thing that Tom Wells, he was a former security or prison guard, I should say there. This is a quote from him. They just pretty much worked a lot of inmates like slaves. It was pretty brutal. And like I said, Tom Wells, who's this prison guard, he began working as one of the prison guards in 1989. And now he does ghost tours at the prison. Okay. So imagine you steal a watch <laughs> this is your first offense you're in with these terrible people breaking rocks what do you guys think uh i think it's crazy because rude, if right? you think about if you think about tom tom wells 1989 we're not talking about 1800s we're not talking about 1901 how he Correct. says they were treated like slaves you know with all that's going on you know now and everything else about you know, prison rights and so on and so forth. But that time period, that's that's not that long ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of what the reason he said that was because like the prison warden or some of the other higher ups in the prison system would make the prisoners build their homes with like, oh, I want a new house. So Mm -hmm. go and build my house and I'm not going to pay you a dime. Oh, oh no! Well, they got eleven cents somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy, right? Wow. So, yeah, by 1932, with roughly 5,300 inmates, the Missouri State Penitentiary held the largest inmate population in the United States at that time, and was considered one of the most successful prisons in the country. On average, the inmates cost the state eleven cents per day. There you go. And they were proud of that. <laughs> wasn't 11 it, cents per day. Like, wasn't it super what? overcrowded, too? Like, it was only built oh. to hold maximum, like, 1,200 Correct. people. And they had mm-hmm. 5,300 people. Correct. That's insane. That's like six or seven to a cell. I mean. Correct. Yeah. They would average three to four a cell. Oh, that's crazy. Right? And you're, again, you're dealing with the guy who stole a watch. To a rapist, to an axe murderer, to God knows what, right? Exactly. So, yeah. And this is, this is unbelievable. So maybe it's not so bad, but then again, you're like, okay, 
But according to articles they said on good days, inmates sought a sense of normalcy. Hmm, I don't know how they do that. But they formed baseball teams, played miniature golf, explain that one to me, either one of you, attended chapel, <laughs> and worked long days in the dozens of factories. And it was like a major economic boom. So they used prison labor to basically build this community. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever done uh, any research on this, or if you know anything similar to this. I just, it's unbelievable, right? Yeah. Um, the only thing I know is uh, Folsom makes California license plates. I'm not even sure if they do that anymore, but that's... Not really the same, yeah. but... <laughs> no, not at all. That's yeah, yeah. Good. I mean, it, it worked though. They built the they built a nice community out there, right? Those nice houses right. for those politicians. And <laughs> I knew at one time, just a sidetrack. I know at one time they don't do this anymore, but they used to make uh, what they call prison jeans. So there was a company that actually marketed these jeans made by prisoners, and they were called prisoner jeans. Or prison oh wow. Jeans. Oh, I can give you one fun fact real quick. Um, okay, I used to work ahead. for the state, and uh, we used to get desks that were built by the uh, Folsom uh, State prisoners. And mm. uh, we uh, received one of the desks, which were really nice, um, all oak wood and everything. Yeah, we ended sure. up, open up opening one of the drawers of the desk and found someone had took a number two in the desk. <laughs> Just as a thank you. So that was that thank was you very awesome. much. Exactly. And that's why you don't it. buy things made in prisons. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Well, it's they free. Figure the gene. Oh, right. It's free. So it's free anyways. You know, yeah. even though the state's buying it from it from itself, but uh, yeah. So I wow. love that, Bobby. I love it. That's great. So even though they could play miniature golf, it wasn't all strawberries and unicorns. <laughs> The the guards would whip a man for literally nothing at all, oh, yeah. uh, even if he, like, went out of line. Uh, even if a guard was having a bad day, they would beat the ever-living shit out of people. Um, the gentleman uh, whose name is uh, John Switzer, who I got this from, he is actually a historian of the Missouri State Penitentiary. He does ghost tours and everything. One of the things, though, this is unbelievable. So, in 1954, two inmates feigned sickness to attract attention. When two guards entered the, the hall, the inmates overpowered them and stole their keys. The two ran along, releasing other inmates as they pursued, remember what I told you before, a jailhouse informant and bludgeoned him to death. I mean, there was supposedly, this is Gold Star, and this is R-rated, so if any kiddies are listening to it, moms, you might want to take off their headphones and, uh, you know, take them out of the room. But these guys beat him such to a pulp. They had to use, his, they'd use basically dental records of what teeth they could find. Because wow. they just beat him, just, you know, just being a snitch. And uh, so... These waves of rioters happen, and this is part of the part of the legend of Missouri State Penitentiary, where you do um, certain parts of the penitentiary where you just feel this overwhelming dread, mm -hmm. and you just feel like like something's not right. And people have said like they feel like they're being crushed, 
like you know like people are like on top of them trying to crush them but this is what happened so eventually the wave of rioters stormed the deputy warden's office armed troopers on the roof were forced (laughs) yeah i bet they were forced to open fire with machine guns and riot guns and they killed most of the prisoners Oh and they said God. several convicts were injured by a gunfire. Uh-huh. Okay. But following the riot, what did they do? Instead of giving these prisoners some hope and, you know, like, hey, so let's not this happens again. What if no? They just put an extra caging. So yeah. they just put up extra cages and everything to make, you know, eh, so this doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, these these people are at their wits' end, right? They go and uh, kill this man who's probably just trying to get hit released from this hell hole yeah and they just go well, put up some caging yeah exactly <laughs> like the it's walls like, aren't tall enough already yeah place. exactly <laughs> so um this is guy again uh one of the famous prisoners uh go to so in 1959 james parker ray was sentenced to 20 years after holding up a st louis kroger uh and then once he got in 1967, he capitalized on his job in the pis- uh, prison bakery and snuck into a large box, used to ship bread. When a truck arrived to pick up the supply, the bread box with Ray inside, he escaped, basically. Just a year later, in, ni- in April 1968, Ray gunned down Dr. King. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's amazing. Just that That's set of circumstances uh, for that to happen, you know, yeah. that's unreal. Right. And you think about it, if this guy was maybe, I don't know, treated a little bit better or maybe something with the prison system to help him. Well, he had we two prior attempts. Such... Yeah. Yeah. Right. But he had two prior attempts to, uh, of escaping at that particular uh, prison. Correct. And they caught him in crazy, you know, situations. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll be crawling through an air vent and he's stuck. And then they have to come and get him out. So, right. you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, he finally was able to wait, able to get his, to make his way out. But yeah, yeah that, that is yeah. interesting. If he would have stayed and, you know, those set of yeah. circumstances may have not ever occurred. Yeah, Dr. King would, you know, obviously maybe still not be alive today, but to yeah. live a little longer and to help, obviously, the civil rights movement. So, but there were some people put in here that you would be like, why did they put him in here? So Katie O'Hare and Elm, Emma Goldwyn served two years for opposing the draft during World War One, and one of the things they were a pioneering uh, champion of not only workers' rights but free universal education. And Goldwyn was considered one of the most dangerous anarchists in the country at the time. So that was I thought was really interesting that someone went to jail over that, you know, being someone who tried to bring freedom to the population, tried to help people. Uh, and she was jailed. You know, both of these people were jailed for the helping. Just for speaking you know? out. Which yeah. Is- yeah. Hello, my spooky friends. This is John, your host for Dairyland Frights. And I just wanted to ask you uh, if you could please help support my podcast here i am now on patreon and if you can give a dollar three dollars uh everything helps so i can buy better equipment 
be able to afford, you know, maybe some studio time or, or get some additional people to help out with research. And I know you really don't have to do anything, but I, I truly appreciate it, especially, uh, you know, running this podcast over myself can be a challenge them days, but I do love it. And I do appreciate all your support. And again, I say thank you, my spooky friends. I truly appreciate it. Hello, my spooky friends. Uh, I wanted to say I'm interrupting this episode because unfortunately, uh, Bobby and Carolyn had some audio difficulty with the second half of the Missouri State Penitentiary episode. So I really wanted to give you guys uh, more of the paranormal in a in a clear voice. <laughs> unfortunately, again, like I said, it, it's hard sometimes being an independent podcast producer and host and researcher and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, but that's okay. You know, I just want to make sure the spookiness gets out to my spooky friends. And again, thank you, Bobby and Carolyn for being on the show. You can hear them in the first half. They have a great podcast, strange darkness radio. Uh, hopefully I will be on as a guest. So please go listen to them. They're great. Uh, and now here comes the second half of the Missouri State Penitentiary, 47 Acres of Blood. So some of the paranormal events at the Missouri State Penitentiary, uh, they have shadowy figures have been seen walking on the catwalks of Hall A. Hall A is also notorious for these above-ground spirits as well. One cell in particular, cell 48, is reported to be the site of a brutal bludgeoning of a prisoner, which we talked a little bit uh, earlier about the snitch. Snitches get stitches or they're beaten to death. So, uh, you know, rethink that if you're a prisoner thinking you're going to snitch and get away with that. Unfortunately, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Now that the prisoner's phantom is reportedly remains entombed in that cell forever. So visitors to that cell, 48, where that poor, poor guy was beaten to death, uh, they, they report feelings of dread, a heavy weight pressing on them. Uh, others have even captured photos of the strange shadowy figures around the cell. So this cell is famous at the Missouri State Penitentiary as a very bad cell. Ghost hunters, investigators, however you want to call them, uh, tour guides, you name it, who have been in this cell have had many, many problems with feeling dread, with feeling sick, with feeling like, like I said, a weight pressing on them. Imagine that you know, you feeling being squeezed, you know, or, or pressed on by this entity. I mean, that is scary. So what prison doesn't have a dungeon, right? So there is a haunted dungeon, and this place is terrible. I mean, uh, I did the Ohio State Reformatory. Remember, you kind of had a dungeon there, too. It was bad, but it was more for solitary confinement. This is actually where numerous men stayed, and it is a receptacle 
for unfortunate souls, both tortured and murderous. And perhaps we shouldn't be surprised to find so many uh, that are haunted uh, this dungeon in the Missouri State Penitentiary. And again, this is certainly no exception that there are ghostly stories throughout this complex, but most of the really bad ones take place in the dungeon because guards would whip these men in the dungeon, okay, within inches of their life. And all you had in this dungeon was four stone walls and a floor. So the other thing too, you had a bucket for a toilet. There was a single light. There was no furniture in there. There was just a little, uh, I think it was just like a, a mat <laughs> for lack, lack of a better word. So no beds, no nothing. So this is really terrible. The story goes, they were putting a dozen to 18 men down there. Again, with no bedding, no bunks, no blankets. Uh, well, I no mats, so they didn't even really have a mat. I thought maybe they had a mat, but they don't have a mat. No toilets, and like I said, a single light bulb. Uh, <laughs> so one of the things, too, when you're in here, you will see a plaque. And it's, it will have on the name J.B. Fireberg Johnson, who served in the dungeon. <laughs> served. In other words, he was a prisoner. From 1883 to 1900 for setting fire to uh, part of prison property that caused the deaths of several inmates. So this isn't a nice guy, but still, uh, this is a pretty, pretty terrible place that he had to go to. Now, after prison, uh, J.B. Fireberg, he wrote a book called Buried Alive, 18 Years in the Missouri Penitentiary. And uh, I have not read the book. I intend to read it. Uh, sounds like a very interesting book. Uh, and just down the hall from Fireberg's cell, during his first night on the job, Switzer, who I told you earlier was this, he's a ghost investigator and a tour guide there, he had an encounter with Fireberg's entity. And so he says, Switzer, this is, and I quote him, I'm standing in front of the door and I go to flick the light off and immediately I felt something on my right. I felt his face, that is Fireberg's face, like right in front of her face. Uh, and so she is, she's holding her right palm just next to her cheek and I can feel him breathing. Like, oh my gosh. You know, that is scary and then she goes on to say and i'm thinking okay you're imagining this but you could not pay me any amount of money to turn my head and look toward the door where the dead end is because he's standing there every time that people say so this firebird guy <laughs> he likes to get up in your face he likes to touch you he, he And he just will be standing by his door uh, all the time that people see him. So, but Hall 8 isn't the only building in the Missouri State Penitentiary's spooky stories. In Housing Unit 1, now the main entrance of the complex, 
a specter with a unique name known as Fast Jack. <laughs> this spirit is well known around the control room in the front lobby of the building. Fast Jack got his unusual name because he glides past visitors in a whitish blur. Little is known about Fast Jack, but some have claimed he wears a white coat like a doctor, and perhaps he was a former worker in the prison hospital, maybe a clerk, maybe a nurse. Uh, you know, there are male nurses. <laughs> uh, maybe, who knows, right? But Fast Jack also has been associated with claims of opening and closing doors. Many times he says he's in a rush and he leaves behind signs of his presence. So people have said, you know, they'll hear like, you know, somebody's in a hurry, you know, they'll whip open the door, then they'll slam it closed. You'll hear that all the time. Also, you'll see like marks. Sometimes people have said uh, like footprints uh, and they're not really sure, obviously, if they're his, but it just seems like he's always in a hurry. That's why I call him Fast Jack. And you just see this whitish blur out of the corner of your eye. So let's get to a story. When I told you about uh, Mr. Wells, he was a former prison guard and is now due ghost tours. He relates a story when he was a prison guard. So this is him relating the story. On a sunny day around 3 p.m., I had been talking to an inmate named John when he noticed another inmate with long blonde hair and a white t-shirt walk out the door during the count. So they have the guy, the prisoners lined up for the count. And then you see this guy just, just walk out and they are not supposed to be outside. They're supposed to be in, you know, getting counted. And I thought to myself, you SOB, I'm going to jump down this guy's throat and I'm going to go out there. And, but there was nobody there. So he's like, goes out to see this guy and he's going to kick the crap out of him basically. And he's not there. And then John, uh, Mr. Wells explains, I thought, man, he's running around the building. So I went up to the right side of the building. Nobody was there. And then, and the big gate is there and it's all locked up. And I was like, I know I was seeing this guy. So I ran to the left side where there's a tower right there. And, and I, you know, yelled up to the tower guard, Hey, has anybody run by here? And he said, no, it's count time. It's locked down. So I'm like, okay. And then there's a van sitting there that we use to take supplies up the hill. And I thought, my God, he's in the van. We have an escape attempt. So he goes up there, uh, you know, to look around. He looks underneath and he walks around. He looks at the back windows and the seats are all taken. And just, he's not there. So, you know, I open it up and, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, did you guys see this, you know, this guy with long blonde hair, white shirt? And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? And so then he says, I saw him, I said. And, you know, the other prison guards in that van are saying, well, what do you look like? And he said, we had long blonde hair and a white T-shirt. And he says, Wells, we ain't got nobody in the building that looks like that. And I was just like, whoa, you're right. It felt like somebody had just punched me in the chest. Aside from the various hot spots, he says, around the expensive prison, expansive prison, ghostly activity is known throughout the property. So, again, when he was a prison guard, he saw this. 
So he knew there were ghosts in this prison when he's a prison guard. Uh, and that's part of the reason Mr. Wells became a uh, part of the ghost tour and, uh, and a guide for the ghost tour. Because not only he was a, a prison guard for a little while, uh, he saw a lot of bad stuff. And, and also he knew this place is haunted as hell. So there are also reports, too, of smaller sounds in the cell blocks, like sounds of coins being dropped from high catwalks. Uh, what's weird about this, too, is people have said they've seen co like coins falling and they go over and pick up the coin. And I think there's some things on YouTube. I'm not really sure. I have to double check on that one where people you can see it like coins coming down. Now, this can be faked. You can just have your buddy up there throwing down coins, but who knows? But somewhat oddly, some visitors and ghost centers have all reported sounds of children and dogs. Um, okay. <laughs> and I think this is really interesting because there has been reports in prison where uh, people say they have heard children. And one of the things they said was this could be the children of the inmates looking for their, you know, father or whoever. Uh, and, and dogs, you know, were common in prisons. They use them quite a bit. So again, not a, not a big surprise, but you know, not as, as uh, I've heard in other prisons that I've done, Ohio State Reformatory, there wasn't really anything talking about that. So the other thing too, and this, of course, phantom odors include smell cigarettes and intense body odor. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, so several of the prison tours involve the history and housing of the most infamous, infamous inmates. But the Missouri State Penitentiary's ghost tours allow its tours to delve a bit deeper in the personal lives of its inmates, many who have been affected by the prison's more deadly and violent history, such as a 1954 riot where four inmates were killed and more than a, and it's more than it's a hundred year history of prisoner executions. So again, you know this thing, uh, this prison riot that happened, you know, was terrible. I, I talked a little bit about it, but one of the things was it involved the snitch and these uh, what they were able to do. These prisoners were able to get the uh, weapons from the guards kind of beat them up. And then they were able to then, you know, kind of go throughout the prison and kind of make their own justice. But if you go on this tour, they talk about that, which I really love. They, they really delve deep into remember some of the uh, uh, famous prisoners are Sonny Liston, uh, heavyweight champion, boxing champion of the world, pretty boy Floyd. And, uh, you know, also some others there too. And, you know, that is just amazing to me. So one of the things you can do is you can bring your devices. <laughs> so if you want to go there and do your own little investigation, you're, you're more than welcome to. Now, the other thing too, uh, visitors are then given insight into the prison's paranormal and, and unusual activities. Because again, I'm just scratching the surface, folks. My spooky friends, please research this. This is crazy. There's so much going on in this prison. Um, and, and 
Also, if you go to the upper, you can go to get a guide to take you around the upper yard in the housing unit one, the dungeon cells. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And also they said uh, they will keep you, they'll sometimes shut off the lights in the dungeons just for a little bit and show you how dark it is. Wow. Uh, it, I've been in ghost tours where they did that, where you were under and they would like shut down. I was in a, a basement. Of, I believe the Sorrel Weed House in Savannah, and there was just a single light in there, and, and, they, and this is sometimes where they kept the slaves. So they shut off the light because they didn't want any light down there, and you couldn't see a hand in front of your face. Nothing happened to me though. I was hoping when they shut off the light, I something would happen, but they didn't. Uh, but also, you know, again, know if you're brave enough to take one of the prison ghost tours. Um, they they recommend you do your your reservations in advance. Um, I will put that information in my links uh, that you can call. They usually do uh, prison tours go from December through February, but they usually try not to do things in the winter. That's why I say call ahead uh, because you know this is in Missouri and just like in the Midwest, you get a nasty winter storm come up or a rainstorm. You know this place is not built. <laughs> with generators and everything you're you're gonna be stuck there so i don't i don't know about you but i would not want to be stuck there overnight if i could unless i was with a group of friends and we were doing it on purpose so they do like i said investigations year round you can do it you can book a two-hour ghost tour it's only 30 bucks per person i think that's pretty good uh then you know it goes to 40 for a three hour and so on and so forth again Make sure you call them, my spooky friends, because this is really booked out, and I'd hate for you to drive all that way and not be able to get in there. Um, you know, please do that and respect them. So, Carolyn, Bobby, and I, before, before the audio went out on me, uh, all agreed that this is one of the worst prisons ever. And, you know, like I said, Ohio State Reformatory is up there, too. Uh, among others, uh, you know, Eastern Penitentiary in Philly, I believe. So, again, just remember that this place is a, a very nasty place for nasty people. And, uh, wow, there's just so, like, calling it 47 acres of blood is crazy to me. So, one of the things I want to say, again, thank you, Bobby and Carolyn. I'm sorry uh, we couldn't get you on the second half here. But it was great. And uh, you again, listen to Strange Darkness Radio. Also, I am now on Patreon. So please, you know, give anything you can to help me so I can, as an independent producer, host, researcher, podcast person here trying to make it, uh, any little bit helps to help me buy better equipment and to get researchers and, and you know, so I can give you guys the best show possible because you deserve it, my spooky friends. So, we're going to end the show now. Say hi to your spooky guest. I mean, say hello to your ghost. Hello. Or your spooky guest. Be your spooky guest. Uh, and also remember to stay spooky.